Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. This is episode number 134. And on this episode, I wanted to talk about, you know, some wins as I was thinking back on 2022 and what we experienced and, you know, some of the the listeners that I talked to, I, I just wanted to share some stories and even some wins that resulted from 2022, which was a year that, you know, looking back on a lot of people would say, well, how can you possibly have any wins at all? The stock market was down. The cost of living was sky high. Look at gas prices last year. They were nuts. So there was a lot of negativity in 2022, but you know what? We got through it. So I wanted to share some of the wins, some of the success stories of 2022 with the listeners and some of these, you know, kind of looking forward to 2023 and what the outlook is. And while I'm talking about the market outlook, LPL Financial released their 2023 market outlook. And if you've signed up for any of our free resources on my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com, we're now sending out a monthly newsletter for 2023 with just some items that I think some attachments and resources that can help you as you're planning for retirement. If you don't like it, go ahead and unsubscribe. There's no cost for it. But in our first edition, our monthly newsletter, which was the January of 2023, we included our LPL Financials 2023 market outlook. It's over 20 pages. It's very, very impressive. I had a client send me Schwab and Vanguard's 2023 market outlook, and they were just a couple pages long. I was fairly unimpressed reading through those. But LPL really put a lot of time and research into their 2023 market outlook. So it's very impressive. So you can find that on my website underneath the resources tab, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And while you're there, again, I am doing more of the retirement coaching calls, 30-minute retirement coaching calls with listeners in 2023. Based on the limited time that I do have, I am still doing those. So you can sign up for that right there on my website. So check that out, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. All right, let's jump into today's episode, which is talking about some wins, some success stories, looking back on the year of 2022. I think these stories will really, really be interesting and beneficial to you as the listener. So of course, with the market being down last year in 2022, you can imagine I had a lot of questions from listeners. I had a lot of questions from clients about not only tax loss harvesting, so meaning if you have a non-retirement account, like a brokerage account, does it make sense to harvest some of the losses? And you got to be careful because there's what's called the wash sale rule. So meaning if you sell a stock or a mutual fund, an ETF, whatever you own, whatever investment you own, if you sell it and book the loss, you can deduct up to $3,000 per year of a capital loss on your tax return. And then anything over and above the $3,000, that just gets carried over to future tax years. 
But you've got to be careful about the wash sale rule. So a lot of people were very unfamiliar with that, which this is a win is I was able to teach people, hey, be careful with that wash sale rule, because if you book that loss, you have to wait 30 days to buy back the security. So if you sell the the mutual fund or, or ETF, hey, great, you book the loss, that'll help you tax wise, but wait 30 days until you buy it back because the wash sale rule essentially wipes out your ability to deduct that capital loss if you buy back that same security or like security within 30 days. So tax loss harvesting was very popular last year. People harvesting those capital losses that they might have and helping themselves out tax-wise on their 2022 taxes. Also, with the stock market being down and a lot of investments being down uh, last year, a lot of people were taking advantage of Roth conversions. And what's a Roth conversion? Well, if you have pre-tax, let's say it's 401k money, or you have a traditional IRA, which is all pre-tax, you can pay the taxes on a portion, doesn't have to be all of that account. And by paying the taxes, then it goes over to your Roth IRA. And the idea of doing that when the stock market's down is it's very opportunistic because you may have investments that are let's say undervalued because you know the market maybe is down you know the S&P 500 in 2022 was down at the end of the year over 18% we haven't had a down year like that in the S&P 500 since 2008 that was quite a while ago 2008 it was down 36% so a lot of people were torn last year They wanted to do these Roth conversions while the market was down, while their investments, maybe mutual funds were down in value. And then they, let's say they had a $10 mutual fund, it's down to $8. And by doing the Roth conversion, you're then paying taxes on something that's worth $8. Then the $8 moves over to your Roth IRA, which it then grows tax-free And let's say it rebounds, and I don't know if that's going to be in 2023 or 2024 or 2025, but while that $8 is in your Roth IRA, when it rebounds, it'll rebound tax-free. So that $8 investment, let's say, becomes $11. Well, that $3 of growth is all tax-free in a Roth IRA, but you only had to pay taxes on the $8 because the investment was down in value when you did the Roth conversion. So you can kind of see in my simple elementary example, there is some advantages or benefits to doing a Roth conversion while your investments are down in value temporarily. And a lot of people, if, especially if you're still working and maybe your income, let's say, isn't as predictable as you'd like it to be because maybe you have bonuses or commissions or things like that. Well, a lot of those people will wait to do the Roth conversion until the end of the year to see where they kind of land on the income for the year. Let's say they wait until December 20th to do the Roth conversion, because then they can be very, very precise and take a good estimate of what's going to make sense on the amount of the Roth conversion to keep them in the same tax bracket they're already in without jumping to the next tax bracket by taking too much of a Roth conversion. So I had quite a few clients and podcast listeners that were doing these Roth conversions at the end of the year in December of 2022. And quite frankly, it really kind of worked out for those people because the stock market was still down in December. Like I said, it ended the year. The S&P 500 ended the year down a little over 18%. 
So as far as the market is concerned, those were kind of some of the wins, which were Roth conversions and then taking advantage of any capital loss harvesting that may be present for you. The other thing that we saw last year is we saw the Fed raising interest rates, right, to combat the rising cost of living. Inflation was the highest it's been in over 40 years. And there was a really, I think it was Peter Schiff who I was listening to, really bright guy. And he was talking about how we measure inflation. The CPI is a lot different now, currently, than it was like in the late 70s, early 80s, like in Jimmy Carter's days, right? So for all the people that were saying, oh, well, in in the late 70s, early 80s, that inflation was a lot, lot higher than we're experiencing today. Well, we were measuring inflation. The CPI index was calculated differently back then. So we really can't compare that inflation back then in the late 70s, early 80s to inflation the way we measure it today because the calculations are totally different. The factors that go into the inflation rate are totally different. It's kind of like basketball. If anybody's a basketball fan out there, They'll remember that, you know, if you were a professional basketball player in the 60s, well, there was no three-point shot. So if you were a guard that played professional basketball in the 60s, maybe your points total was a lot lower than it would be if you played today. The three-point, the the NBA at that time, they didn't start counting the three-point shot until 1979. And then the NCAA, which is college basketball, they didn't implement it fully until 1986. So after that point, I mean, all these basketball players, they started scoring all these scoring records because they had a three-point shot. And all the players before then, before the three-point shot was counted, everything was two points. Well, obviously they didn't have a three-pointer. All they had was two-point shots. So the scoring records before the three-point shot just imagine if all of those players had that same opportunity as a three-point bucket. So can you compare a player in the 60s that could only score two points per shot versus today you have NBA basketball players that all they do is take three-pointers, it seems like. So let's imagine that the player in the 60s, they made 10 baskets at two points apiece. So that's 20 points. But the same player in today's game, let's just assume they only take three-point shots and they make 10 baskets. Well, they have 30 points. They're making 30 points a game instead of the other player from the 60s that made the same 10 shots but only has 20 points per game. So it's really useless to compare the inflation now to what it was 40 years ago because we measure the CPI totally differently. That's the lesson here. And this time around, if we use, there have been some economists that have looked at, if we use the same way of measuring inflation that they used back in the early 80s, that inflation last year in 2022 would have been in the teens. I mean, just look at the price of gas last year, the price of diesel, and look at how much your grocery bill, my goodness, how much your grocery bill went up. So with that being said, where's the opportunity here? And we've talked about this on the podcast. Interest rates have been going up and up and up thanks to the Fed trying to fight this inflation. But with that being said, there's a lot of opportunity. People were talking about the Series I savings bonds that were 
over 9% last year. Now they're at 6.89%. There were money market rates that they just keep going and up and up and up in savings accounts and all kinds of different CDs and CD alternatives that are paying. Right now we're seeing as much as 5.5%. So for the conservative investors out there, and we even have some podcast listeners that have kind of reached out to us, of course, they're trying to take advantage of those cash alternatives, CD alternatives to try to make hay when the sun's shining because interest rates are so high right now and get more of their safe and conservative money working more for them. So they're earning really some impressive interest rates, whereas a year prior, those rates just weren't around. So those those were some wins for some people. Social security. Social security was the hot topic last year. In October, Social Security Administration announced the cost of living adjustment was 8.7%. That went into effect this January of 2023. So that was a nice pay raise for Social Security recipients. And I just wanted to share one planning case. I had a podcast listener and actually a client now, and we were kind of going over their financial situation And the husband was 68 years old and had already claimed his social security benefit, and they really didn't have an income problem. They were in a fortunate situation. And with him being 68, we decided to turn off his social security benefit to stop his social security benefit last year. And why did we do that? Well, when you're past your full retirement age, you can stop your benefit and then you get deferral credits. So Between your full retirement age and age 70, you get 8% per year. So when we decided to do this, not only is he going to get 8% deferral credits, so his benefit while he stops it is growing at 8% per year, and then he'll restart it when he turns 70, but he's also going to get the 8.7% bump COLA in January. This January he did. So we stopped it last year. So you add those two together, in one year, he's going to get 16.7% a boost to his Social Security benefit. So that, for that client, was just a huge win. He was blown away by that kind of planning. And his wife was appreciative as well because she's going to one day likely get a survivor benefit. So when he passes away, she will get the higher of the two benefits, generally speaking, which will be her survivor benefit. And it's going to be now 16% higher once he turns his benefit back on. It'll restart at 16.7% higher. So that was a, a big win and a big opportunity for a lot of people. I had another podcast listener, and this is a totally separate situation. The guy called me up and he said his, his mother was elderly and he was her power of attorney and wanting to make sure she had her ducks in a row. I kind of asked him, you know, what, what do you mean by that? What would that look like if she had all of her ducks in a row and everything was neat and in order and, and she was satisfied. And he said, well, really what she worries about is she doesn't want to leave a mess to me and my sister, you know, if she were to pass away and she's just not confident in how things are titled and set up. So we kind of had a conversation with his mother and just kind of asked her questions, nothing pressing. We told her, we're not trying to be nosy. We're just trying to be helpful and to make sure things are set up properly. She was very open and eager to get help. She was a widow. And what we found was she had some IRAs and she had her deceased husband as the primary beneficiary. And it turned out there weren't any kids listed as her backup, her contingent beneficiaries. So the first thing we wanted to do was, hey, we've got to 
let your IRA custodian know that, hey, your husband has now passed away. We want to add your son and daughter as your primary beneficiaries. So should something happen to you, it would then pass to your children without probate getting involved. And she was kind of embarrassed that that was something that she had just overlooked, but she was always under the assumption that, hey, the kids were added on there as backup or contingent, but that was something that we kind of found. Her bank accounts, her bank accounts, a couple of ways you can do that. You can add the kids on as joint owners, which I'm not a huge fan of, but that will really depend on the relationship you have with your kids and how trustworthy they are. In this person's case, they could actually do what's called payable on death. It is essentially assigning beneficiaries to her bank accounts. So should something happen to her, it would pass to her son and daughter outside of probate. So that took care of that. Her vehicle was already, it already had TOD to her son. So that was all taken care of. Her home, we wanted to make sure it was titled. So it would pass to her children outside of probate. So we kind of gave her a couple different options there to make sure that could be structured in a way that would totally avoid probate. And she was all on board. And one other thing, uh, she sent me some copies of some savings bonds that she had that were, were very, very old. And what we discovered was they had matured about five or six years ago. And so they weren't paying any interest anymore. So those were something that she could cash out. And she could put into a CD or money market fund or something that was would pay her some interest. So all in all, this was a win for this podcast listener. He was really able to kind of help his mom out. It was this was something his mom was really worried about. You know, heaven forbid something happens to her. Are her son and daughter going to have to fight the probate courts to get their inheritance or not? And I was happy to help. I really enjoyed kind of talking to both of them and kind of giving them my best advice and guidance because I've had clients go through this kind of thing. And if I can help somebody make sure their ducks are in a row, as her son said, I'd be glad to. So that was really fun for me. And around Christmas time, she sent me a really, really nice handwritten Christmas card. So that was a a shining star, a big win for me and for them for 2022. Here's another win. I had someone that was referred to me last year from another client. They were actually a family member. And I was kind of just reviewing their tax return and their prior year's tax return, their 2021, and kind of got a sense of what their income would look like for 2022. And what we noticed was, is that they would be able last year in 2022 to be able to either do a Roth conversion of $14,000 and pay zero federal income tax, or they could take a distribution out of their IRA for the same $14,000, and again, pay zero federal income tax. I'll never forget the guy's, the expression on his face. I said, I recommend doing the Roth conversion. If Since you're, you've got plenty of money in your emergency fund, if you do a Roth conversion, you can move money from your IRA to your Roth IRA and pay zero taxes on that $14,000. And he looked at me like, with this surprise, like, is this legal? And I kind of walked him through it and showed him. And he was like, wow. And his next question was, how much could we have done last year? And I said, well, I didn't want to pour salt in the wound, but last year you could have done about $11,000. So sometimes, you know, depending on your situation, there might be some sweet opportunities like this. And with her planning on turning on her social security in 2023, they're not going to be able to do this kind of Roth conversion and pay zero taxes. So sometimes they're kind of short-lived. 
I had another client that actually lost their job. They actually were laid off in 2022. Their company was not doing well and they had a big series of layoffs, significant layoffs. Well, he found himself in a lower income situation for 2022. Well, what does that mean? Well, he was going to be in a lower tax bracket for 2022 because this was one of the first years that he didn't have, you know, the normal income. Normally, he was in the 24% tax bracket. In this year in 2022, he was in the 12th, and he still had room in the 12 to do a Roth conversion of about 25 grand. So he was able to do a Roth conversion, pay taxes on 12% federal. When in a normal year, he was taxed at 24%. He was in the 24% bracket. So he thought, wow, this is a no-brainer here. And I remember saying to him, I'm very sorry, you know, for the layoff that you lost your job. I'm sure I know that was very unexpected, but when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's what my grandfather always said. So I hope this episode has been helpful. The kind of the wins looking back on 2022. A lot of people like hearing some stories of how we help people plan. Looking at 2023, the tax brackets, the tax brackets themselves didn't change, but the amounts of income in each bracket did change. You know, for example, looking at the 12% bracket, it went up between 2022 and 2023, it went up $5,900. The standard deduction went up $1,800 for a married couple that files jointly. So as far as the brackets are concerned, they went up significantly, not the tax rates themselves, but the income in each bracket, just because you know the cost of living was so high in 2022. So with inflation high, that impacts you know the amount of income in those tax brackets. So what that means is looking at 2023, there's more Roth conversion potential. But of course, if you got a big boost to your income, a big raise or promotion at the end of 2022, that of course might offset any changes to these uh, tax brackets, you know, income wise. So I hope this episode has been helpful. If you have questions, check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The Smart Investor Program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor Smart Investor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.